Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today on the program, our hosts, Dr. Larry Spargimino and James Collins, have headlines from the end times. But first, author and teacher Larry Stamm returns with more to share in the series, Jewish Roots of Christianity. We want to send a special greeting to all of the first-time listeners to Watchmen on the Wall. If you're a new listener, welcome. We would love to share a free gift with you. Request your free new listener pack today by calling 1-800-652-1144. In the new listener pack, you get a welcome letter, the latest issue of our monthly newsletter, The Prophetic Observer, and a free gift. Call today and request your free new listener pack. 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Larry Stamm, the host of the brand new television series, Jewish Roots of Christianity, is here to continue discovering our Jewish roots, which means discovering our biblical roots. Shalom, friends. Larry Stamm here. So glad you're joining me as we continue our study on the Jewish roots of Christianity. Last time we began unpacking the gospel in the Old Testament, we began in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. And as we begin our study again, I encourage you, if you have a Bible, please get one because we're going to be opening up the scriptures. And if you have a pencil and paper handy or a pen, also you may want to take some notes as we study 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, Paul lays out the foundation of the gospel message itself. And he wrote in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 15, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. What Scriptures was Paul referring? He was referring to the Hebrew Scriptures otherwise known as the Jewish Bible, better known to us as followers of Jesus Christ as the Old Testament. In these two verses, we find substitutionary atonement. We find the concept of resurrection, all according to the scriptures, with Christ or Messiah Jesus being the object of these verses. In our last study, we talked about some verses in regards to substitutionary atonement, and we unpacked the fact that God, when he birthed the nation of Israel, gave them the altar of sacrifice that was the basis for the forgiveness of sins. In Leviticus 17, verse 11, God spoke through the prophet saying these words, "'For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar.'" to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. So we established substitutionary atonement all throughout the Old Testament, and we began in Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 and 21. As we think about this idea of resurrection, I want to spend a little bit more time in the concept of resurrection. Some people don't realize that resurrection is replete through the Hebrew Scriptures, and the concept of resurrection is certainly Jewish in its origin. I mentioned last time Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, the Word of God says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and contempt at the end of days. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, 
David wrote in Psalm 16, verse 10, about resurrection. He wrote, For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Job in Job 19, verses 25 and 26 wrote, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth, and after my skin is destroyed. This I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. There are several other scriptures in the Old Testament that speak of resurrection. I want to talk about the fact that Abraham actually believed in resurrection. We read in Hebrews 11, verse 17, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him as a figure. So Hebrews 11 communicates to us that Abraham believed in resurrection. I want to take you to a very fascinating passage that you're probably, as a Christian, familiar with, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11. Martha and Mary are mourning because Lazarus has now been dead for four days. There's an interaction between Martha and Jesus that communicates clearly that Martha also believed in resurrection. In verse 20 of John 11, the Word of God says, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Now, notice what Martha says in verse 24 of John chapter 11. She saith unto him, Jesus, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Why would Martha say such a thing? Because her Jewish religion would have informed her of this reality of resurrection, and more specifically, the Word of God, the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, the only Bible in the first century, communicated the reality of resurrection. Remember, I just mentioned Daniel 12.2, the Word of God says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt at the end of days. So she would have known Daniel chapter 12. She would have known some of the other scriptures that taught about resurrection. There's an interesting passage I want to point you to now that is quite fascinating. It's in the book of Acts, chapter 23, verses 6 through 8. So the text or the context for this brief passage I'm going to share with you is Paul is being interrogated by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then Paul says something that creates a row or a conflict between the Pharisees and Sadducees. I'm reading from Acts 23. Verse 6, Acts 23, the Word of God says, But when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am called in question. And when he had said so, there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the multitude was divided. Verse 8 is the punchline. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. 
What did the Pharisees confess? They confessed both resurrection, that angels exist, that the spirit was real. The Pharisees, in short, believed in the supernatural. The Sadducees did not. So the Pharisees also believed in resurrection. Why? Because the word of God clearly teaches resurrection in the Hebrew scriptures. So I want to put this all together now, and I want you to see in Isaiah chapter 53, I want us to see substitutionary atonement, resurrection, all according to the scriptures. I first want us to look at this concept of resurrection. By the way, Isaiah 53, the most powerful messianic prophecy in the Hebrew scriptures as it pertains to the sacrifice of Messiah. Isaiah 53 pens some 700 years before Christ walked this earth as a man. We find in verses 4 through 6 the substitutionary atoning sacrifice of the suffering servant. Isaiah 53 verse 4 we read, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Clearly, we see substitutionary atonement communicated in these three verses from Isaiah 53. Now, I want us to notice this concept of resurrection, the resurrection of the suffering servant, who is Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah. In verses 4 through 6, he pays the penalty for our sins. Then we see that he is dead and rises again. Notice verse 8, Isaiah 53, he was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off of the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was stricken. Now verse 9, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. So the suffering servant is dead in verse 9, right? And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Notice now verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Remember in John chapter 10, Jesus said, No one takes my life from me, but I give it freely. Okay? Verse 10 of Isaiah 53, Yet it pleased the Lord, the Father, to bruise him, the Son. And then the scripture says, He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11, He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. So notice in verse 9, the Bible says in Isaiah 53, verse 9, that the suffering servant who had paid the penalty for sin was dead, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. And notice in verse 10, it says, when he shall make his soul an offering for sin, and then the phrase, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days. That, friends, is future tense. So his death precedes the fact that he shall in the future then see. What shall he see? He'll see his seed, 
and he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So we see this concept of resurrection very clearly in Isaiah 53, verses 8 through 10, all according to the scriptures. So I hope you gain a better appreciation for the gospel in the Old Testament. I hope you've learned some things as we continue to unpack it. I want to transition now to this fascinating topic of salvation in the Old Testament. And you may wonder, well, with no Jesus, how were Old Testament saints saved? Well, they were saved just the way New Testament saints were saved. They were saved by grace through faith. The goal of the gospel we find in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, Paul wrote, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then in verse 17 he writes, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. In verse 17 of Romans chapter 1, Paul writing to the church in Rome, he writes, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written. Paul is quoting from the book of Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4, where the Old Testament prophet wrote, The just shall live by faith. Paul quoting that powerful and poignant verse in Romans chapter 1. So here is the difference between how saints were saved in the Old Testament and how saints were saved in the New Testament and beyond. Both were saved by grace through faith. The difference is Old Testament saints were saved by grace through faith in God's promise of Messiah, while New Testament saints were and are saved by grace through faith in God's provision in the person and work of Messiah, Jesus. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, the word of God says that Abraham believed God and God reckoned or accounted Abraham's faith as righteousness. And in Romans chapter 4, as we connect the dots between this idea of the just shall live by faith and our faith, not our works, credited to us as righteousness, Paul in Romans chapter 4, as Paul argues for this concept of justification by faith by using none other than Abraham as his example. Romans 4 verse 1, Paul writes, What shall we say then that Abraham our father is pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So in Romans 14, 3, he's actually quoting Genesis 15, verse 6, right there. Continuing in Romans 4, 4, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him who worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. In Romans 4 verse 7, when Paul writes, saying, Blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered by faith. He's quoting David in Psalm 32 verses 1 and 2. 
And then in verse 8, the word says, again, quoting Psalm 32, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. And in verse 13, I want to end this discussion on the justification by faith we find even in the Hebrew Scriptures. Paul writes in Romans 4.13, For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. I hope you see that. That's very, very important. And we know that Old Testament saints were saved by grace through faith in God's promise. And we see that New Testament saints, we are saved by grace through faith in God's provision. We are very familiar with Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, where the word of God says, For ye are saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So I hope this study on the gospel in the Old Testament as we've unpacked the idea of substitutionary atonement and resurrection and now starting to unpack what salvation in the Old Testament actually looked like. We're going to continue this study on salvation in the Old Testament in our next study. we got to start today, so I hope you've been blessed and encouraged as we've opened up the Word of God. Again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I hope that your faith has been strengthened and encouraged today. Until next time, friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom. Get today's teaching on the Jewish roots of Christianity on CD by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. We are excited to announce a brand new television series based on Larry Stamm's new book, Jewish Roots of Christianity. All 16 episodes are now available on four DVDs. The complete series can be yours for a gift of $40 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144 or order online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. You can also get both the book, Jewish Roots of Christianity, and the complete television series for a gift of $60 or more today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order this special bundle online, swrc.com. swrc.com is the premier place for Christmas gifts with an eternal impact. Brand new books and DVDs from Greg Patton and Larry Stamm. Resources back in print from Dr. Carl Baugh, Rob Lindstead, and Dave Brees. And exclusive content from Jonathan Kahn that you can only get from Watchmen on the Wall. We also have our brand new 2022 prophecy calendar and new gifts for your grandkids and your entire family. Over 900 resources with free shipping on all orders over $100. Visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Here is Dr. Larry Spargimino and James Collins with the latest headlines from the end times. Welcome to Headlines from the End Times. In the days of the Old Testament prophets, God said to appoint a man to stand guard on the wall. The watchman would scan the horizon for signs of danger. When an enemy was spotted making advances on the city, the watchman would sound the alarm. 
Each day we see more and more signs that point to the soon return of Jesus Christ. Join us now as we seek to make sense of the nonsense and sound the alarm of the truth of Bible prophecy in current events. Our first story comes to us from Washington, D.C., where Senate Democrats have introduced a new bill that would eliminate every single pro-life law in the United States. The so-called Women's Health Protection Act would invalidate all existing state limitations on abortion. The legislation would also prohibit states from adopting new protective laws in the future, including various types of laws specifically upheld as constitutionally permissible by the United States Supreme Court. Well, basically, this legislation would remove all legal protections for unborn children on the federal and state level. The Women's Health Protection Act is, in effect, a no-limit on abortion until birth bill. Tragically, the only ones who will benefit from such a law would be abortionists and abortion providers such as Planned Parenthood. This outrageous legislation endangers women and their unborn children. It would expand taxpayer funding of abortion and would no longer require that a woman be given information about the development of her unborn child. We want to encourage all our listeners to contact your senator and to tell them not, that is, tell them not to support the Women's Health Protection Act. In other news from Washington, the Biden administration has issued the first United States passport with a ex-gender marker. In other words, the U.S. Department of State is now willingly denying scientific reality in order to further the new sexual orthodoxy in which men can be women and women can be men. We knew this was coming. As reported by the Christian Post, President Biden's Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, announced in June that the State Department would allow people to choose their gender identity for passports, even if it contradicts with their biological sex or the gender identity listed on other official documents. This has everything to do with furthering an agenda. Again, the Christian Post explains that prior to this policy shift under the Biden administration, quote, the State Department had defended the gender binary for passports by arguing that it ensured accuracy, helped identify eligibility, and made passport data useful for other agencies, close quotes. We've told you before, and we'll repeat it right here. You can't rely on the government to teach your kids biblical truth about human sexuality. We encourage all parents to open your Bible to Genesis chapter 1 and teach your kids about how God created us in his image, male and female. Our next story also comes to us from Washington, where the Biden administration has reinterpreted the meaning of sex in federal law, and they claim that unlawful sexual discrimination in the workplace includes gender identity and sexual orientation. This unilateral change could require Christian employers to fund gender transition surgeries, procedures, and treatments. The Alliance Defending Freedom has filed a lawsuit on behalf of the Christian Employers Alliance. The suit alleges that the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services reinterpretation of sex in federal law could force religious health care providers 
to physically perform or facilitate gender transition surgeries and procedures contrary to their deeply held beliefs. What can we as Christians do? Our calling as Christians remains clear. We must face this hard storm of immorality and discord head on. This is the time for action and placing our total trust in our sovereign God. We must be ever vigilant to share the gospel and pray for God's mercy over our lives. We must stand together for righteousness and make our voices heard in the public square. We must exercise our right to vote in the upcoming elections. Now, remember, midterm elections are just 12 months away. Your voice matters, and so does your vote. And that brings us to our last story, which is related to the mess that we see coming out of Washington. A recent poll revealed that 7 out of 10 Americans believe the United States is headed in the wrong direction. The poll conducted by NBC News, which, by the way, is one of the most liberal of all the mainstream media outlets, revealed that only 31% of respondents approve of President Biden's job performance, and 71% believe that the nation is headed in the wrong direction. What are you willing to do to help turn this nation around? Well, we must be committed to the truth, raise up our children in the Lord, and vote for candidates who value the biblical principles America was founded upon, but that's not enough. We must also pray fervently. We must pray that God would continue to lavish his grace upon us and refine the people of this nation, even though we do not deserve his mercy. We must also pray that Americans would once again acknowledge God's astounding grace and pursue lives that embrace the virtues of brotherhood, respect, and love for one another. It is true that our battle must be fought in schools, in the halls of government, in our churches, and at the polls, but first and foremost, it must be fought on our knees. Only then will America once again be, as President Reagan once described, a shining city upon a hill whose beacon light guides freedom-loving people everywhere. That will wrap up this edition of Headlines from the End Times. For Dr. Larry Spargimino, this is James Collins, leaving you with the words of the Apostle Paul, who said in Ephesians 5, 15, and 16, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. The Central Florida Prophecy Conference, our next in-person conference, will take place Friday and Saturday, January 28th and 29th in Lakeland, Florida. Speakers include Bill Federer, Dr. Larry Spargimino, James Collins, Dr. Kenneth Hill, Greg Patton, Dr. Ken Lindau, and Larry Stamm. Registration is now open. Visit swrc.com and click on Conferences at the top of the homepage. Registration is free, but required. Central Florida Prophecy Conference, January 28th and 29th in Lakeland, Florida. Register today by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144 or visit swrc.com. Jewish Roots of Christianity is now a television series. The brand new television program is based on Larry Stamm's new book. All 16 episodes are available on four DVDs. This is a great resource to use with the book Jewish Roots of Christianity. Get both the book 
and complete television series for a gift of $60 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. Tomorrow, Dr. Rob Lindstead will look at the power of the cross. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.